0: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars,
1: used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.
2: Welcome to StarTalk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. This is Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. This particular edition, I, I'm kind of tired of naming them other things, and I think maybe uh, Chuck, my co-host... Hello. Uh, the idea came up, maybe we should call these office hours. Office <laughs> hours. <laughs> hmm. And just so to we get we a little academic speak. flavor back in it. Yeah, right on. Okay, we'll, we'll, let's experiment so with that.
1: It's Cosmic Queries... Office hours. Office official. hours.
2: Yes. Let's do that.
1: Right. Chuck, Hey good man, man. have you. Good to be here. Always a You've been in Aruba for nine days. Yes, my friend. I was in Aruba for nine glorious days. you a nice tan. And that, thank you. I've been working on this tan for nine days and 40 years. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I have to tell you, after yeah. nine days in Aruba, uh, and I do not mean this in an unpatriotic way at all, I hate America. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, please. We're gonna have some beaches. We got some beaches. We do have some nice beaches. Yeah. I've been to a few nice beaches here in the, in the States, but I got to tell you, that Eagle Beach, when they call it the second nicest beach in the world, yeah. they're not lying. Really? I mean, the sand is just the right but consistency. You can like the beach without hating America. What's that? You can like the beach without hating America. Yes, but it increases my love for the beach when I actually <laughs> juxtapose it against my hate for my own country. Uh, no. <laughs> Which, by the way, people, do not write me, I love this country, this is the best country on the face of the earth, even when I don't agree with what this country is doing, I still love it, okay? So, and all of you need to take a lesson from that, okay? Do people write to you about that? Yeah, okay. people write to me, like, people write, people get very upset, they feel as though somehow we're being political on this show, uh. and and, you know, I write them back because I know for a fact, whether it's you or Bill Nye, mm-hmm. and I've met many of your colleagues, uh-huh. that you, and especially you and Bill, you are not seeking a political bent. You are not seeking to deliver a political message ever. It is always about critical thought. It is always about the truth. It is always about the science. That is what it's all. And it's always about educating people or getting people to become curious for themselves so that they go find out for themselves yeah yeah that works yeah and so like it really pisses me off (laughs) when people write and say oh i like this show before you guys got all political just because you don't agree with the science
2: well so it reminds me of the the moniker that uh, harry truman had they called him give him hell harry give him hell harry yeah so harry why are you always giving people hell and he said, no, I just give them the truth. Right. They think it's hell. Right.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I just give them the truth. They think it's hell. There so you go. got questions for me. What do you have? Yes, I do. Office hours are open. Office hours are now open. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, what is it, Charlie Brown when he used to go see Lucy and see the doctor is in. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, flip the sign over. <laughs> flip okay. the sign over. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, uh, we've got uh, our, our queries from all across the internet, and we always start with a Patreon patron question. Because we are that low. Yes, we, <laughs> we <laughs> no shame in this game baby give, okay. us, the, give us some money we'll I do don't it. know
2: if I'll ever get over this fact no, but give, okay give us some money we'll if you, you support
1: want. the show you get your question that's up first right you give us some go money go to the front of the line we we will be your science whore okay <laughs> that was too much Chuck take it down a notch alright here we go this is Kyle Yoakum from Patreon who says this Kyle Yoakum good name yeah that's a pretty good cool name mm-hmm. and he spelled it phonetically for me so you know which it didn't have he to... knows you need help that's <laughs> <Okay>. good <laughs> It's so true. It's like, don't F this one up, Chuck. that's right. So he goes, my name is pronounced Kyle Yoakum, and I, oh, I should do it a different way. My name is pronounced Kyle Yoakum, and I'm from Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee. You got it. He says, it seems statistically impossible for life not to exist elsewhere in the universe, but I try to consider all the possibilities to keep an open mind. If we were able to look throughout all the visible cosmos planets by planet and found no life at all, given our current understanding of the universe, what might be our best scientific explanation for why we would be alone. That, uh, so first,
2: let me reaffirm the statistical unlikelihood of that before I then comment on what happens if it's true. All right. Keep in mind that if life only began yesterday on Earth, Mm -hmm. it would have taken four and a half billion years for that to happen. Okay. That's a lot of time. a lot of time. It would would be pretty clear that whatever it is we call life was hard to happen, Mm -hmm. okay? Nature was struggling. For billions of years. Right. But that's not what actually happened. We have the ingredients of life on Earth, hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, other and they're all here on Earth as they are everywhere else in the universe, mm-hmm. practically everywhere else in the universe. Right. These are the most common ingredients out there. One for one. Number one ingredient in the universe is hydrogen. Okay. okay. Number one element in life on Earth is hydrogen. Okay. okay. Number two in the universe is helium, but it's chemically inert, can't use it. Right. So put that, as, you can breathe it. Right. It's great for parties. Yeah, great for parties, yeah. but, but it, it, you don't interact with it chemically. It's good for YouTube videos. <laughs> so next in the universe is oxygen. Right. It's the next most abundant element in life on Earth. And that oxygen and the hydrogen come together as water. Right. Okay? And you will also find hydrogen and oxygen in other molecules. But we're mostly water by weight. Okay, next is carbon. We're carbon-based life, right? And so, carbon is next in order in life. It is next in order in the universe. So these ingredients for life on Earth are everywhere,
1: right? And so the recipe for this is actually the universe itself. The universe itself. Okay. The universe itself. Now, so you have the ingredients. Now
2: you need conditions, right? Okay. So whatever were the conditions on the early Earth. You, you, we have to ask, were they unique in the galaxy, or are they approximately repeated elsewhere? In our current catalogs, we, we have rising through one or two dozen planets in the Goldilocks zone of their host star, right? as are we on Earth. right? So that you have happens. all the base ingredients, and in the tiny little blip of the universe we have explored in search for planets,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have found one or two dozen planets in their Goldilocks zone. So now you ask, well, how long would it take? So you look on Earth, and the evidence, may, and recent evidence shows, we have possible signatures of life on Earth as early as 4.2 billion years ago. Okay. Earth only began 4.5 billion years ago. Right. So, but let's even pull that in, because that was very recent data, and maybe it'll be overturned. Before that, the best evidence puts it at 3.8 to 4 billion years. That means, Earth was around for like a half a billion years, then there was life. And then something happened. And something happened. Right. All by itself, there it is. Right. The ingredients, the, the the time. And the conditions. And the conditions, and it's not billions of years, it's half a billion years. Right. So, however much challenge we have creating life in the laboratory from simple organic molecules, nature managed to do it all by itself. Right. Okay. So, hence the statistical unlikelihood of it. But if we go around and search every single planet in the galaxy, mm-hmm. which is more realistic than the whole universe. Yes, we can travel between galaxies? We don't know how to do that yet. Right, We, we ain't there yet. Right. But our whole galaxy still, and there's no other life, that would force us to look back to Earth and ask, was there something truly unusual mm-hmm. that happened on Earth? Our star is an odd. No. The location of our planet, the mass of our planet, the fact that there's water, the fact that none of that is, so we'd have to find something that was Unusual to right. enable it happening here, and then
1: have it happen nowhere else. Alien DNA, boom. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, negates the entire supposition of well, a, no, even if this whole question, question. It, right, it means it came from somewhere else, uh, right, exactly, right. But no, but then if it came from aliens, we'd find the we have to right. find the aliens, right? Yes, that's why I said it negates the supposition of the entire exactly. question. Exactly. Exactly. Go ahead.
2: So that would so science would then turn to wondering right. what would be sort of unique. It would have to be a one in a billion, well, however many pl- no uh, planets are out there. It would have to be so rare that it would happen one in that many planets, right? Okay, so let's say there's you know ten billion planets. Right. It'd, be, it'd be one in ten billion chance of something happening, right?
1: On Earth, and but, that, but but the same thing is like you said, all of those planets have the same building blocks yes. that we do, yes. So, what could that one thing be? No, we don't. That's what I'm saying. We don't. Science would have to turn to then try to answer that question. Oh, I got you. That's what it would be. I got you. That's all. So, we would just have. Right. So, you would have to isolate that one difference. And it's very hard to come up with a strong
2: idea about how and why something is when you only have one example of it.
1: Right. So it's kind of like when the scientist goes into the um, laboratory and he's looking for the recipe for superhuman strength, but he keeps putting together a combination of all these things and he just can't find it. Or at least he'll find he'll make it, but then the the subject will explode after like five minutes. So it's super strong. And then all of sudden a small dog enters the laboratory and knocks over all the ingredients and they come together in a little slurry and they start sparkling and he falls down and slips in it and then he gets up and he's a superhero there you go that's the only that's that's the one in a hundred billion billion, that's the thing
2: (laughs) and and may i add that is how the powerpuff girls were made
1: (laughs) Are you for real? Yes. Awesome. Yes, so there's a the, By the way, so, how so do you know the Powerpuff Girls, which I love. Powerpuff I love. Girls. You gotta love me some Powerpuff Girls. I do not know their origin story. Oh, you don't know the origin story. I did not, but I do love so, the Powerpuff oh, Girls because I have I have a daughter okay, so, I,
2: and a younger daughter. So there's the father who is yes, a scientist. Who's a scientist in the lab. Right. He's in his basement in the lab. Okay. And he's trying to cr- mix these ingredients to create the perfect children. Really? Right? the perfect girls. And so he mixes together. Sugar, spice, Spice. and everything nice. Okay. And as he stirs it, there's an accident in the lab, and Chemical X pours into this ingredient. (laughs) And then there's an explosion, and out come three adorable little girls
1: with With (laughs) superpowers. Superpowers. I had no idea. Chemical X, the power. Chemical X is the power. Oh, that's cool. So that's that's your scenario. Yeah, that is my scenario. That's very cool. All right. Well, there you have it, buddy. Kyle, that's it. So here's just, let me just add, because you know where
2: he's going with that, right? Yes, of course. So so you might ask, will there be something that will compel scientists to say, oh, God did it? Okay? Well, yes. Because this is, you know, fundamental. Like, many religions would assert that Earth is the purpose of the universe and the life on Earth, human life on Earth, is the object of God's affection. Right. We're in the universe. Okay. So... I can tell you that um w- that I don't know how quickly anyone would start thinking that mm-hmm. but what I can say is that if life on earth were divinely created, okay? And somehow we're forced to that conclusion, okay? It does not force us to any other
1: divine conclusion. Right, okay? Right. It, it, that would be the extent of what you could conclude exactly, because you would be able to now isolate the fact that this is indeed a creation however what you cannot do is infer from that creation the intentions of that creator or all the tracks that people have put forth that according to
2: their respective religions was divinely revealed. Exactly. You must behave this way and worship on this day and eat this food and don't eat that food and Treat each other this way, right. and not the other way. Right. All of this is sort of the the packaging of modern religion, or ancient religions as well as modern religions, right. that are not required by the scientist who might be who
1: might land there. If in fact Earth is the only place with life in the universe, right? right. Well, once again, as a scientist, what you would do now is you would have to say, "Now I need definitive proof that I am supposed to." act this way or eat this. Okay, so we need other kinds of evidence. I need evi- I need other evidence. Right, exactly. So now that the evidence has actually said yes, we are this is the one thing. We are the 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 uh, ingredient X. <laughs> the the chemical X. X. Chemical <laughs> X is God. By the way, you'd have to
2: also add the fact. Right. Also add the fact and right. I, I I posted this during the Super Bowl where if the football field is a timeline mm-hmm. of the universe, right? Where one goal line is the Big Bang and modern day is the other goal line, then the thickness, the width, the thickness of a blade of turf in, a far, in the far end zone equals the time from cavemen to modern day. Holy crap. Okay, so if according to the Catholic Church, which accepts evolution but asserts that at some point God breathed a soul to primates and that would make us humans distinct from other primates, Mm -hmm. that would have happened somewhere in that blade of grass. grass. So my point is, if you're going to say God created the universe and created humans in his image, Mm -hmm. which is what one might find in Christianity, it it would be kind of hard to account and we're the only life in the universe, such that it'd be hard to say well, what what is all that other stuff for. What what's <laughs> what you, you got? The whole rest of the timeline, right? If really all this was created for us, why do we miss out on four billion? You know, on on. 13 billion, Thirteen billion years billion of cosmic years. history. Right? Why? Why? Why do you wait so long? Right. I mean, these These would be sensible
1: questions that philosophers would ask. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, well, yeah. And the answer would be because he hasn't. There is no time for him, and so it's no big deal. No matter how long. Well, you got the answer already. Yeah. The answer is there is no time for okay. God because he is from everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, time and space was, exists within him. Oh. So he does not have to worry about time or space because all those things exist inside you got of your him. Your catechism hat on. Yeah. <laughs> <He's got it. laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Preacher, preacher man, go for it. Listen, I know all this stuff, you know. (laughs) know, uh, Go for it, he got the explanation. Yeah, that that would be the explanation, you know, so. But what I would say,
2: you can flip it and say, uh, if your religion requires that human life is the only life and is the purpose of creation. Right. And we do find other life, will you abandon your religion? Right, now that's a very good question. Right, right. That that's just flips the table. Right. What does that do to the right. person who believes? Or you find an alien species smarter than we are, right? who can just completely manipulate us and put us in a zoo for their entertainment. Do they now become God? Well, so depending on what powers they exhibit, if they don't have the powers that your God and your religion assert, mm-hmm. Then you can't then directly say that they're God, or if they look really different from us, right. We're not in God. We're not image. God's image, right? Right. And it's very, but that's funny, yeah. Right. So just, just to be fair, in that right in that rotisserie there that's,
1: i got you i got yeah, right? you oh, no, that's good stuff man that's we'll good almost, stuff. almost a whole segment on that one i okay. know we did and you know what but guess what it was really good right. i mean because right. kyle that's a great question and uh okay. quite frankly uh i i found it fascinating because uh, you, your, you had your preacher hat on there and listen these are the things right. that people th- people think about this stuff I know. all the I know. time and to great peril for the most part there's a lot of people who this becomes confusing and then that confusion leads to Anger and no. The only issue is if you you take your belief system, then require that others
2: believe it. Yes, it's not the spirit of America where we welcome all religions in their own personal truths. So
1: (laughs) we used we used to.
2: (laughs) You only really have conflict when you are so certain of your religious beliefs. Right
1: and so certain that everyone else is wrong in their religious beliefs, and then you take arms against them. Yeah, and see, I believe that that comes out of uh, just the opposite, to be honest. It comes out of um, the opposite sentiment. If you know for a fact you have the truth, then that's you can fact. rest easy in that truth. Well, you should be able to. You'd think, right? Yeah. So, and then you'd fear nothing, I, right? I did. Then there is no fear of any new information. There is no fear of uh, varying uh, views and opinions. There's no fear of someone having a differing opinion. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, uh, you know, no, we'll you'll t- just say they all go to hell.
2: <laughs> You've got plans for them. <laughs> no, there, there, are places for that. That, that that's all packaged. <laughs> that's a package deal right there. <coughs>
1: I'm sorry. Okay.
2: You just ate up like the last
1: two minutes of this. We can't even get another question. How about, why don't you tease the question? What's the next question? Okay, so that's what we'll do. We will tease the question. And so this is what Michael Ranger from Twitter would like to know. What's the deal with space dust? Um, He didn't really say it like that, but I just (laughs) like the way he says it. What's the deal? What's the deal with space dust? Is it dust? Is it gas? Is it rocks? What's the deal?
2: Good question. Yeah. We will get to when we come back to StarTalk Cosmic Query's Office Hours Edition. (laughs) All right, catch you in a minute.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do
2: We're back on Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Uh, if you didn't otherwise know by now, I also serve as the director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium, which is part of the American Museum of Natural History. Chuck Nice, tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. Yes, sir. Thank you. Nice. Yes, I. Am. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this is this is uh, Cosmic Queries Office Hours. Office edition. Hours. We're just trying to rebrand it. We'll yeah. fit, see if that flies. Yeah, we'll see what get happens. A
1: little good, little sign. I right, Put it out right, there. Right. There. Right. Yeah. Office Hours. Yeah, made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The doctor is in, and okay. you are the good doctor. So let's move back to our queries in the form of a we, we, we question teased that we one at already at the end did, of the last segment. Right? What was it? Yeah. And it was from Michael Ranger, and he mm-hmm. says, what's the deal with space dust? Is it dust? Is it rocks? What's the deal? It's really Jerry Seinfeld. It's really right? Jerry okay. Seinfeld uh, <laughs> coming to us in the form of Michael Ranger. So there's a
2: lot written on dust, mm-hmm. and most of it, if you get into it, it's pretty nasty stuff. Right. It's like sloughed off skin cells and, and dust mites. Right. And it's just and cat dander. Yeah. I heard that most of the dust around your house is just dead skin. It's just dead skin. Dead skin, skin of and some it, sort. Just be glad your eyes are not microscopes. Oh. Because the world would be nasty. It's a nasty little place. Nasty place. Ooh. So dust in the universe has a very specific meaning. Okay. So if you look at clouds between the, the stars, these are the things that make up some of the most beautiful photographs that you've ever seen from space mm-hmm. especially via the Hubble telescope uh, so those gas clouds some are sloughed off from stars others are stellar nurseries ready to hatch newborn stars deep within mm-hmm. uh, so ga- so the it's what we call it the interstellar medium and it can be in a gaseous state right with just gas atoms and gas molecules, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, this sort of thing. They can make molecules in the form of carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. Um, hydrogen makes a molecule with itself, okay. H2, we call it. Um, stuck up hydrogen. <laughs> stuck stuck it up. with itself. Yeah. But it's not the only one. Nitrogen binds with itself to yes. make N2, oxygen. So we're not alone at this. Right. So. If the gas cloud is dense enough, there'll be pockets of it where the molecules come together and make really big molecules. Okay. Really, really, really big things. Right. And when you have a place where really, really big molecules come together, Mm -hmm. it behaves differently in the transmission of light from behind it to in front of it. Okay. It absorbs light in a way that turns the light red. And so we call it reddening. (laughs) Reddening. (laughs) Nice. Turns it red. It's called reddening, right? Okay, gotcha. Right. So, so, only when it becomes large enough to do
1: that do we then call it dust. That's all. So, when it gets, okay, I got you. So, these clumps of molecules that come together, to, once they do I mean, that. Huge, huge, <laughs> huge things, right. Once they do that. Once they do that, that's when there's dust. When you have enough of that to affect the optics of the
2: cloud, right. then we call that dust. Gotcha. And it reddens stars behind them. And so, we used to think that certain stars were only red. Because they were behind these gas clouds, and then we learned about this phenomenon uh, in the 20th century. By the way, so it's relatively modern discovery given the history of astronomy. And so, so when we say, when I say, we are stardust. Mm-hmm. It is a figuratively and literally true thing because you're not going to form stars and planets until these molecules, these atoms become molecules, the molecules become dust and out of this dust cloud, do you condense the planets? Nice. Okay. But now the a little bit of a loosey goosey there Okay, because typically when you form a planet, stuff heats up again. Right. And it can get so hot that it breaks apart all the dust molecules. Okay, oh. Yeah. Because heat will destroy big molecules. Right. So, so it's when I say we are stardust, the dust didn't stay intact before it became us. Then it would be supremely poetically true. Right. But um, nonetheless, the, the gas clouds that make star systems, they start out as dust. And so that's why I feel comfortable saying that. So
1: but the, if you want to take me to the limit, I'll then give you that full explanation. Right. As so, You just did. Right, right. Yes. So the dust <laughs> itself is is really on a molecular level. It's not the dust that we think of when we see oh, dust. It's way smaller. Yeah, than it's not the dust here. that we see like when you on a, when a shaft of light is coming through a window in your home and you see these little par- particulates floating oh, yeah, in the it air. It's smaller than that. It's right. much smaller right. than right. that. And, the, and it, it's molecules coming together. And by the
2: way, there are ways that molecules stick together that. Don't involve complete up atomic uh, 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 electronic bonds. Okay. So when two atoms come together, they're sharing or exchanging electrons. Right. So that's an electronic uh, uh, bond. And then when you get really big, you can have molecules attached together just because their shapes fit. Right. Or just because there's something.
1: I found f- you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe we fit together like this, girl. Oh. <laughs>
2: So there are other ways that you can stick molecules together. Oh, gotcha. And it's when that begins to happen that's when you get that's when you these get these the dust. phenomena.
1: Oh man, that's so cool! Dust. All right, dust who knew the there was so much in dust? Oh, by the way, in the very
2: early universe, before we made before the stars made the heavy elements like right. carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, mm-hmm. the Earth, the universe was born with hydrogen and helium primarily. Okay, all the rest came later in stars. Gotcha. Okay? In the early universe, when they had gas clouds, there would not have been dust because you need all those other atoms to build up and make dust. There you go. The early universe tends to be rather dust free.
1: Nice. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we were much cleaner. <laughs> much cleaner back in the day, we're, baby. We're freshly born. Yes, we are freshly born. Mm. got that new universe smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool question, right. Michael Ranger. All right, let's, what move, else you got? let's move on. Office hours are open. Office hours are still open. For the universe. All right, here we go. Mm, get... Gaetano, Gaetano Marone, Gaetano Marone wants to know this. Thanks for that name, by the way. Freaking hate your parents. Um, (laughs) uh, He wants to know this, says, uh, does time expand the same way and for the same reason as space? So that's a
2: great question. Yes. Okay, time is a coordinate. Right. All the other coordinates are stretching out. Why can't time? Can't time. Why not? Right. So, we don't have evidence of this. It would've been kinda of cool if that were the case. Okay. We just don't have evidence of it. And so, what would the evidence be? When we look out to space, we see things, not as they are, but as they once were. Okay. Because it takes time for light to reach us.
1: That's the way my wife looks at me. <laughs> As you once As I were. am, but as I once was. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> Please don't ever see me as I am now. <sighs> so so it means if there's
2: anything that was affected by time being compressed in the past okay. relative to today, it would manifest in the physical phenomenon that we observe. Okay. Okay. So maybe things would happen faster. Right. If time is compressed. Okay, so one second today is stretched out. One second back then is tight. Right. If if you want to convoy- yeah, right. put it that put way, yeah, want to put it that way. That way. So you look back then. No, things are not happening faster. Right. Things are not. Everything is still working then the way it works now. Okay. The closest we've gotten to this is a research paper that I happen to be co-author on. Woo. The lead author of whom. Ended up getting the Nobel Prize. For, as Which was a piece of a much larger research project mm-hmm. um, that he did. His name is Brian Schmidt. Brian Schmidt? Uh, yeah, he's an astronomer at um, Mount Stromlo Observatory, and Siding Springs Observatory. Mount Stromlo?
1: St- no, no, St- Stromlo. Oh, Mount Stromlo. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, worst name ever. Right. <laughs> so, Mount, Strom- in, in Mount Stromlo. In Australia. So he headed a
2: team that discovered that the universe was expanding faster than it should have, mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be, and that was the – the co-discovery of dark energy, right, accelerating universe, accelerating universe, and this paper was early work that all came together in his big project to study what exploding stars are doing nearby and far away. So, what we have in that paper, the very first measurement ever, is an exploding star far away mm-hmm. and an exploding star nearby. Okay, they should, according to other uh, other re- for other reasons. Be exactly the same in how fast they get bright and how fast they become dim again. Okay. The star blew up. Right. You can measure this. Right. It, it was just a regular star, got bright, then it started getting dimmer again. Okay. We know what that should look like. And because we've modeled it. Okay. So now we look at the one far away and it doesn't match. We say, how come it doesn't match? Oh my gosh, is it a different kind of exploding star? Then you invoke Einstein's general theory of relativity Mm -hmm. to show that since that light has been traveling long ago, the universe has expanded. Mm -hmm. So that time intervals of when stuff happened has been stretched out over that time in the time it took to reach us. Mm -hmm. If you take that what we call light curve, invoke and Einstein's relativity on it, it stretches to what it needs to be, and then it matches exactly the nearby exploding star. In other words, the universe really is expanding. And the ticks on a clock get stretched out while it is moving through the expanding universe. That's the Wow. Holy
1: crap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow.
2: Okay, that's insane. That's what's throwing down. So that's what's going down. Right. But the event itself, we have no reason to presume it happened at any different rate than nearby. Right. Everything we understand about an expanding universe says this is what will happen to that signal en route. Right. And that's why you need relativity to apply to that. Yeah, otherwise, you have no handle on the. Yeah. Universe. You wouldn't be able to sit. Right. 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 Wow. Just be mysterious things going on. Exactly.
1: Right. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were quite proud of that result. The first time. Now, it's just a routine thing. What, a, what, a, what an understatement. Oh, you know, we were quite proud of that. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but now it's, it's a routine thing. I mean, well, yeah, you just yeah. say, oh, the, the light curve doesn't fit. Um, let's see what it needs to be for being at that distance. And then it, it, you do that, and then it fits exactly. It fits perfectly. Every single time. Just fits exactly. Wow. Yeah. That that is really now no, you could you could assert that time was different then uh-huh. and it didn't change on route here, okay, okay. But I would then say, I would say, uh, because the universe is expanding, we expect that to happen. Okay. So and when it does happen, we're not then looking for other explanations. Gotcha. If we did
1: that in science, you'd be well. Yeah, you'd never do. You never go from any place you, you never are. You go
2: any place where you know. Right, right. right. You'd
1: stay right there, just looking for other different things that it could be. And it, it could be when what you have is a perfectly it's good, fine right. explanation. And this is already working. It works experimentally and theoretically. Right. Generally, when you have that agreement, you move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Man, that was a great question. Okay. Hey, Gatano. Get, Gatano Marone. That was a really... I want you to apologize to Gitano's mother. I'm, I'm sorry, Mrs Gitano Marone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because yeah. you have a simple, boring name this is true. doesn't mean everyone else has to. I, so you have to. So you don't mess up reading their names. Yeah, well, Mrs. Marone, your scion is uh, quite profound, and we appreciate uh, their question. All right. All, right. All right. Let's get to uh, Jet... jet kusanji where uh, do they say where they did it uh, tweeting tweeting to us from at the fury at wait at jet the fury at the fury okay (laughs) the fury how cool is that do you think if in the past scientists weren't always portrayed as evil the public would be less anti-science yes and i mean like in the movies and television the scientist is always the bad guy yes N- Next question. <laughs> <laughs> no. I should have saved that for the lightning round. Okay, I guess. so so first of
2: all, the scientists were not. I don't think that's the biggest problem with the portrayal of scientists historically. Really, because there were maybe a third of those scientists were not evil. Okay, were co opted by an evil genius, right, or an evil uh, a, a ne'er do good doer, right, ne'er do weller, new ne'er do Thank you. Right. So, for example, in, in the old Superman television series. Right. There was always some scientist that was helping the criminal do their work
1: but was didn't really want to. That's true. Right. A lot of times the scientist was an unwilling participant. Unwilling participant. True. That was even the case in Back to the Future. That is true. Yes, Where the
2: the 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 Libyan terrorist wanted Doc right. to make a bomb out of the plutonium.
1: Right, and okay. he just wanted the money for his research, so he double crossed them. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, as any good scientist should do, if, right. you're,
2: if you're given money to make a bomb by terrorists, right? right? right. Exactly. Uh, now, who else did that? Is of course um, Iron Man. That is correct. He uh, denounced- No, no. He They want him to make a bomb. Right. Yeah. So I'm making a bomb. Get out of here. Right. And, right. He, made exactly. and then he made
1: a suit. Escaped right. with it. But that was a little bit more for uh, self-preservation. <laughs> he needed that suit to get out of there. You know? <laughs> but then even after that, he was like, I don't want to make weapons anymore. Yeah. I want to do something good with this power source I right. discovered. Exactly. So my issue with the portrayal
2: of scientists is not that they were more than half the time shown as evil or evil geniuses. Okay. It's that they were never shown- to be completely human in all emotional dimensions. That is true. They're very one-dimensional characters. Yes, and it was like, Doc, is the world going to end or not? And you go behind the lab table and they got the lab coat on and the wire hair and they say, well, it, it, uh, the, it, the interaction of the thing, whatever. Oh, give me it in English, Doc. Right. And then someone else translated it and that's all you see of the doc? That's all you that's see. That's all you see, right. That's all you see. You come in and you leave. Right. The first... The first attempt to flesh out doctors that I know of and that I have seen was in CSI. Okay. Which portrayed scientifically
1: literate, trained people. Uh Uh-huh. As beautiful people you might want to be. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and they were all hot. They're the good looking. Good looking. A. Right. Smart. Right. B. Right. They have fully fleshed out characters. They
2: fall in love. Right. They have jealousy. They have kids. They're right. married. Right. They divorce. Then they become real people like any other character that storytellers have been sharing with us. Nice. That, I, for me, was the transition that was most
1: important. Right. Yeah. And now make him evil or happy. Who cares? And that, well now well now you see more developed scientific characters in everything. 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 Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well that's cool, man. Yes. That's very, very cool. Well there you go. Out of time in that yeah. segment. At the Jet Fury, there's your question. So yeah, all there's right. your answer.
2: Uh, welcome back. You're listening or possibly watching Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Chuck, hey. let's continue with Cosmic Queries. Yes, we shall. Yes, this is a Comic-Con edition coming from New York City. Let's do it.
1: We are here to answer your questions, whatever you'd like to know, uh, relating to the cosmos or maybe anything else. Uh, Dr. Tyson is here and wants to answer It's it. Dr. Neil to you. I love how you threaten me with a more casual, <laughs> formal <laughs> thing. It's <laughs> Dr. Neil to you. yeah, yeah. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. It's mom to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump right into this, shall we? And right. um, check out what some people have to ask. And this is Matthew mm-hmm. at M. De Guadio. Uh, De Guadio says, "This: What would have to happen to turn Jupiter into a star? Ooh, ooh! So what, ju- a, what a weird question. Yeah. So question. Jupiter is
2: rare among planets in that it actually gives more energy." away than it receives from the sun. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and so this sort of leftover energy from its collapse in the very early days. So we think of Jupiter, by the way, it has more mass than all the other planets combined. Combined. So you say, well, could that have ever been a star? And if so, we would have had a double star system. So Jupiter, if it had like ten times as much mass, it would have been a star. So it needs more mass. More mass. And it puts more pressure, more in, the pressure core, in the core. Which makes it hotter in the core. Right. And then it gets to and thermonuclear then- fusion temperatures, and then the hydrogen ignites. Ooh. And then you get <laughs> nice. a controlled nuclear fusion reactor. Right. When well, now here in America, we can make a nuclear fusion. Hydrogen nuclear fusion reaction, but it's not controlled, and we just call it an H bomb. Oh, <laughs> that's what a bomb is—a non-controlled, a non-controlled nuclear reaction. Nuclear yes, reaction. Yes, okay. That's
1: very cool, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> then, right. if that's what happens when it ignites and it becomes this kind of controlled nuclear reaction, mm-hmm. what happens to a brown dwarf then?
2: Well, so there's this netherworld between the planet and a star. Okay, and a brown dwarf is. One of the words we use to describe that netherworld. Not quite enough mass to be a full blown uh, star, but too much mass to be an ordinary gaseous planet. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole sub a cottage industry in my field in astrophysics.
1: Lovely. We've got top people working on it. Nice. All right, there you go. How about Jonathan Martinez at JJZ12112 wants to know this? Neil. All right. What keeps. Yes, you- he can call me Neil. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's Dr. Neil to you. <laughs> Jonathan, okay, Neil, what keeps you up at
2: night? What keeps you up at night? I can tell you right now, I lay awake wondering whether humans as a species has sufficient intelligence to actually figure out the universe. We, by our measure, are there any other species on Earth that ever had what we would call intelligence? Some are smarter than others and Uh dolphins have big brains, but we're not thinking that they're intelligent. They're not building radio telescopes. They're still just swimming around. So to me, intelligence plus technology, right? Uh So here we are, we're intelligent, let's figure out the universe. Maybe our measure of our own intelligence, though we think is high, would be low to some alien that has a vastly superior intelligence to us. And maybe it is they who will figure out the universe and not we. So what I lose sleep over is worrying whether we are not even smart enough to ask the questions that should be
1: asked. Oh, wow. That deserve an answer. Now, that is that is a serious conundrum because if you're not asking the right questions, you can never get to the right answer. This is why I lose sleep.
0: Damn.
2: That was the whole point of the question.
1: Wow. Yeah. You don't even know what question to ask? Now
2: imagine you're a dog. Does a dog know to ask? Um, what is the... Air velocity of your plane when you're flying to New York to L.A. Because I think I might want to get on it and get visit some friends. They don't even ha- they, they don't know how to ask that question. Underdog did. <laughs> I remember Underdog <laughs> <laughs> I could fly. Okay, Underdog could speak English and walked bipedally. So yes, right, true. yeah. yeah. Uh, so so yeah. I just I, I I lose sleep in our ignorance. Wow. That's that's at night, but during the day, I bask in our knowledge. Look at that. But don't don't forget that as the area of our knowledge grows, so too does the perimeter of our
1: ignorance. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow, it's like an ignorant pizza. Like the more you know, the bigger it gets. Yes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but the edge is the connection between what you know and what What you don't don't know. know. And as that edge gets bigger,
1: there's more perimeter of unknown. Oh my God. This is not encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, here we go. Um, So this is Jonathan. um, I'm sorry. This is Denise Pico, uh, who who is at Pico19, says, Neil, if you got a chance to only ask one question of Isaac Newton, what would you ask? Wow, that's a good question. Oh, it's easy.
2: Okay. Go ahead. All right. I would say, please come forward into my time and help us and help us solve problems that we are not smart enough to figure out. Because my boy was smart; he was a smart guy. Right. That's that. That'd be the one question. Wait, didn't
1: I had. you say? Did I hear you say this once that Isaac Newton was so smart that he figured out something in the universe that he couldn't answer, and then had to invent a math to answer the? Yeah, question. yeah, that's right. Is that's right. that? Did yeah. you say? That? Yeah, you know, no, yeah. Okay, let me let me fix ahead, what fix you just said. Go ahead. <laughs> But at least you know I'm paying attention, all yeah, right? Yeah, you're, you're paying, you, said, you said that to me get one get time. A,
2: a B plus okay. for paying attention. <laughs> so Isaac Newton was asked, why is it that your equation of gravity gives us orbits that are ellipses, okay. which is a slightly squashed circle? Why that shape and not some other shape? And he said, I, I don't know. I'll get back to you. To, right. So he goes home and figures out why it's that shape and not others. And then his friend said, well, how did you figure this out? Well, I had to invent integral and differential calculus to help me. And then now, here's the reason why. Dude, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, basically on a dare, basically. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. cool. I knew it was something like that. I'm glad that mm-hmm. you revisited that. All right, uh, here we go. This is uh, Billy Chocolates says this. Billy Chocolate? Billy Chocolate, but okay. not chocolate. Chocolate. He's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> why does the speed of sound always move constant in any density of a fluid, gas, or liquid. Intuitively you may think the large the source per se, the faster it might travel instead of how, how far. Uh, there's a spelling thing in here, but so. you keep telling yourself that, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was wrong, man. Why you gotta throw me under the bus like that, man? <laughs> Just trying to read and well, you know. so, so the speed of sound
2: is, it, so what is the speed of sound? It's the ability of one molecule to vibrate and tell the next molecule what just happened. Right. That's all that's going on there. All right? I'm a molecule, boo-do-doop, it goes to you and you go to the next one. Right. Okay? And how close packed we are can tell you how fast that can happen and depending on the medium sound moves very fast in things like steel. Right. So you, so put your ear to the railroad tracks you presumably, you're doing this because you don't yet see a train. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you, you might hear. So, uh, Native Americans in, in ancient days would put their ear to the ground listening for the hoofs of a, a thing. So, so um, whales can communicate across depending on the frequency. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was my whale. I'm sorry. That was your imitation of uh, what's her name on well, um, Ellen DeGeneres. And Ellen DeGeneres yes. on, on Finding Nemo. So. <laughs> You can't speak well. But I do. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> this man's a PhD. <laughs> so, um,
2: so that's really all it is. It's not, it's not more complicated than that. And when you don't have a medium, that right. can vibrate and, com- and communicate to another molecule, there is no speed no, of sound because right. there's no sound, there which know. is why in space, not only can no one hear you scream, no one can hear you explode either. So practically every sci-fi movie in space that has sound, so, it would just be silent movie if they did it accurately. Oh, God. Don't you not get just, me started. That, that
1: would ruin Star Wars. You know what I mean? TIE fighters going by going... <laughs> Oh, I tweeted once. I was angry. In Star Wars, The Force Awakens, the yes.
2: TIE fighters go by in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They made the same, same sound, sound as did, they did in, in space. vacuum. <laughs> that's right. It's like,
1: no. <gasps> excuse me. I'm smarter than that. Give me a different sound. Oh, that's so funny. i was pissed off. All right, let's move on. Tara Sweeney uh, tweeting at Tara Sweeney 555 five, five, wants to know this. Is there any effort to find exomoons as well as exoplanets? And how difficult is it in comparison? And I'm going to add on to that. Is there any reason to find an exo moon? Uh, exo, exo, exo. Yeah, not, yes. eggs. not exo. Moon. Oh, come on, man! Exo. <laughs> uh,
2: so, exo. A moon would be smaller than the. Pl- it's hard enough to to find. to to find the planet, right? Man, people are just impatient. Damn.
1: Yeah, Let's find
0: a damn planet first. Let's find a planet first. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I need the moons now. I know, right? Right. Where's the moon? Damn. No, we don't even have the planet yet. Look, we got planets around other stars in the galaxy, and now that's not enough for her. Well, you know, maybe it's because there's so much talk about, like, some of the, like, Jupiter and all of its Uh, 280 million moons. Yeah, that's right. And then, of course. Up 290 million as of yesterday. Exactly. (laughs) And, like, Enceladus with Saturn. Exactly. So here's the thing. If you have a big planet,
2: and the right. moons are much smaller, so they don't leave much of a visual signature. Right. It, hard, it was hard enough finding moons in our own solar system around planets in our backyard Correct. to find moons around exoplanets. Maybe that day will come, but it's not anytime soon, A. B, It is, though it's important, no one is thinking about life in the atmosphere of Jupiter, although Carl Sagan had a thought that maybe they're floaters and sinkers and things. It was more sort of a, an exercise in calculating if you can have a, uh, an ecosystem mm-hmm. in an unfamiliar kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Holding that one paper aside, um, what's interesting about Jupiter is there are moons that could be more likely to have life than anything else out there. Right. So in our search for life, what's surely the genesis of that question is, just because you found a planet doesn't mean that's the best place you might find life. Right. It could be on one of the moons around it, and will we one day find the moons? And perhaps yes, but it's beyond our
1: current technology if the moons are much smaller than the planets. Cool. Yeah. It's a great question, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay. Um, Let's see. Andrew, the Canadian, wants to know. a. Andrew, the Canadian. (laughs) I heard how you spell Canada. It's
2: it's C-N-D. C-N-D? Yeah. That's how you spell Canada. C-N-D. No, it's C-A. Yeah, C A. D A. -A. D A. (laughs) That's my Canadian joke for the day. There (laughs) you go. That's good, right? Yeah, that's not okay. bad. Yeah, I'm Can- a- Canadians Canadian,
1: Canadian, C A N A D A, yeah, C N D. That's how you get Canada. <laughs> All right, so Andrew, the Canadian, wants to know this: when the Earth is double tidal locked to the Sun? Oh, ooh, which that's a weird thing because I thought the Earth okay, was going to be. Okay, that's not going to. Ha- well, go on. I thought Finish the Earth and the Moon were going to be double tidal locked. Finish it through. All go right. on. So, when the Earth is double tidal locked to the sun, yes. will there be weather systems or snow? Okay, so, so imagine
2: there's no moon. So let's just get the moon out of the equation. We would one day become tidally locked with the sun. I, I, I'd have to calculate how soon that would be. It could take longer than how much time the sun has left and we'd have other issues to worry about as the sun expanded and became a red giant and engulfed the orbits of Mercury and Venus and rendered Earth a, a burning cinder, vaporizing as it descends into the abyss of the sun center. Other than that, um, you, you, if, if we tidally locked to the sun, it means we only show one face, face of the, of the sun. sun. And All the right. other face, we don't. So one face would be warm. The other face would be really cold. And I would think that neither side is where you would want to live. You could live on a... On the on the what we call the terminator, the boundary between the two, we get a little bit of sunlight and a little bit of dark at your at your choice. And, but the question was was not about that. What was it about?
1: Uh, if we're doubly tidal locked, will there still be snow and will there still be weather? Oh oh yeah. To uh, the sun, so yeah
2: yeah yeah. So you could in principle still have weather. One of the problems is you get water that evaporates off the sunlit side and it circulates to the back and then freezes and. Comes out as snow right. and Then it stays there forever Right So, so you, all the water Would sort of collect On the backside of it, But mm-hmm. we'll be very advanced By then and We can just melt it And bring it back Right Or if we're that advanced
1: Get the hell off of the earth That's what <laughs> I'm saying
2: I'm with that Find another planet Okay Alright so we going. only
1: have A few minutes left And uh, let us know Where you're actually Chiming in from Here on the comments I'm actually reading The live stream right here okay. Now just uh-huh. from people Who are who are with us Let's oh, That's get, us right there the That's picture. us in the picture oh, And that, this is actually Us watching us This is so meta right now <laughs> So crazy. Okay, um, here we go. Uh, hey Chuck, you look marvelous in the little screen. I got to tell you something. That is where I always look good is in little screens. Okay, and uh, here we go. Um, who, who says this? Uh, oh, I lost them. Sorry, you lost Chuck. I, I lost all the uh, stuff. So let's okay. We'll go back to the. It, so let's go to St. Peter. Who, Saint Peter? Uh, say, yeah, who says this? Would it be more difficult for life to develop on a planet in a binary multi-star system? Ooh, so very nice. That's so a good question. Here's the problem. If you have two a double star system, of which most
2: stars in the night sky are double and multiple star systems. Wow. Most so dots of light that you see whip out a telescope. You see two stars, three, four, multiple stars. Cool. And so most of the stars are that. And in fact, in Star Wars episode four. Mm-hmm the first Star Wars. There's <coughs> that scene where Luke, com- Luke comes out and he's in the, 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 the desert planet and he sees the two st- stars there. And I said, that's by the way, that's the only accurate astrophysics <inaudible> in the entire movie series. So, the two stars. I said, somebody finally put a planet around a double star system. Right. And they also did it right because if the, pl- if the stars are very separated, <frança> you can have confused orbital allegiance for what your planet would do when it tries to count out its year. Oh, that's cool. You wanna be confused in an orbital allegiance. Oh. Right? So what happens is if they're close enough together, then the planet sees one sort of smeared average gravity, right. and you can sustain one stable orbit. So we don't, if, if, if biology requires stability in order to evolve, then if the two stars are widely separated, you're not gonna have a stable climate. Plus, your orbits are not particularly stable. You'll either fall into one of the two stars or you get kicked out. So if you're going to look for life as we know it, you want orbits around cl- closely orbiting st- planets, uh, stars, or just single star
1: systems. That's all. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very good okay. question. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Let's let's uh, let's go with Anthony uh, Rufato. And that was St. Peter's question. That so was St. Peter. Yes, Saint exactly. Peter. And By the way, I tell Jesus I say hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've... <laughs> You've dedicated a career to bringing astro knowledge to weak commoners. And for this, we thank you. What future discovery do you secretly hope is named for you?
2: Oh, I have no such interests or goals to have anything in this world named after me. Mm. Uh, I just want the world to be a slightly better place for me having lived in it. And that doesn't require that I be remembered. It just has to require that it is.
1: So the answer, Anthony, is please name your firstborn Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> no. and, and, and when I die, you know my, one of my tombstones? Did I tell you?
2: What? A quote from Horace Mann, great educator. What's it say? Uh, what I wanted to say is be ashamed to die until you have scored some victory for humanity. Wow. It doesn't say, be ashamed to die until You got well, something, something rad- after you. Right, that's it's true. That's what he said.
1: Scored a victory for you, man. And then right? I'm good. Uh, my tombstone is going to say, you should come down here. It's real nice. <laughs> <laughs> Join me. Join me now. <laughs> I don't want to be alone. <laughs> it's cold down it's here. It's cold down here. I'm scared. Help me.
2: <laughs> and what was Beethoven doing down there? He was decomposing.
1: Oh, Oh, oh. Oh. on that, we're going to say thank you to Twitter. (laughs) Thank you to all the people who are watching. And thank you to your own personal astrophysicist. (laughs) And And wait a minute. Why why did Twitter take away all my fan
2: Twitter bots? Those are some of my best fans.
1: (laughs) Now, that was funny. You you just redeemed yourself. <laughs> those B- bots bye, were, Twitter bots. Those bots were something I'll miss you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'll let Neil tell you as usual. Oh, as always, I bid you to keep looking
0: up.